Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Today we are talking to Marcy Bursack. She is passionate about encouraging people to adopt from foster care. And she says, most people believe adoption and expensive go hand in hand. And few people know that foster care adoption is the fastest and most affordable way to pursue adoption. Seeing the disconnect between the 120,000 children who are waiting for an adoptive home and the loving and safe families who could adopt them, she wrote The Forgotten Adoption Option, a self-reflection and how-to guide for pursuing foster care adoption, which is actually going to be released this month because it is National Adoption Awareness Month. So, Marcy, thank you so much for being with us. We're excited to talk to you about your book. It is so exciting to be among fellow uh, friends and lovers of foster care adoption. So, Marcy, how many kids do you have? So, I have two children. They are biological siblings, but I have adopted them. Wow. That's awesome. And you adopted them through the foster care system. I did. And our story is kind of interesting. Uh, They are, so I'm from like near St. Louis, and about five hours away northwest of me is Iowa. And they're from this really small community, which literally had one foster family. I was a couple that lived on a farm. They were in their 70s, and they took my kiddos in as an emergency placement. So my children were a legal risk placement, and we had an 18-month up-and-down journey. Um, Legal risk being, for those that don't know, uh, it means that the children are looking like they will most likely need an adoptive home. But in that very moment, there's no guarantee of that. So for 18 months, my husband and I would drive five hours one way across state for a two-hour biological family visit and then take a five-hour drive home. So we had a really unique story. Our social worker thought we were crazy, but we know without a doubt that our, our children were meant to be a part of our family. Wow. First of all, a lot of people think we're crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? um, so I, I want to know, what was their age? When we met, my daughter was a week from being three. And my son was four. Uh, they had been in care since my daughter was six months old, and my son was two. Wow. So, and um, we were their seventh home, which is insane to me. Uh, my daughter, like I said, was a week from being three, and we were her seventh place to be. Unbelievable. And how old are they now? They are currently nine, and my son just turned 11. Oh, so I got an 11-year-old. Yeah, I have oh, an yeah. 11-year-old. It's, I So my kids arrived, um, they were six months, two, two, and four. Um, and we were their third placement for, and we have two sets of siblings, um, and three boys and a girl. And I'm going to tell you, so hearing what you say about the visitations, you know, we went through the same exact thing. We actually went as far as petitioning the courts to allow us to be um, mandated that we could do visitations when it was feasible for the bio family, because we felt that a, a strong biological connection would help the kids. And I still couldn't even get them to show up on a Saturday. It was like, it, it was to, to us, it was just a roller coaster. Absolutely. Completely. 
days. Like, you want to get off the ride now and you feel like you're going to throw up half of the time? Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I love the fact that you wrote this book. So, you know, one of the things that I hear people say all the time is that adoption is so expensive. And, and I will have to tell you, in my book, I, I'm very open about it. It was very expensive for us. You have to understand that, you know, when we started this process, it was unusual for gay white men to be adopting out of the foster care system. And so no one actually came to us and told us that, you know, we could get all this help and that people, I mean, we literally put a second mortgage on our home to adopt our children. Um, and then we found out years later that it, it actually shouldn't have cost us anything, but it ended up costing us over $60,000. So I love this book because it really is going to help so many people because Dana, I I mean, we hear this all the time, how, you know, the expense is what people think about a lot. Right. Absolutely. Well, and having to wait for children too, um, when people want to adopt. So I'm curious to know, Marcy, what made you decide to go the route of adopting from foster care? good question. Um, and a lot of it for, for our family, I had, um, I, I, I'm one of those people that, um, and it's sort of, I mean, Robbie being totally related with this, but I, I had grown up doing a lot of service work. I, I did international service work in orphanages. I did stuff locally here in the States. And I just like knew when I met some of the kids that I was like, one day I'm bringing someone home. Like I, I am going to do this because I can see such great need. Um, and then I happened to marry a fellow who his paternal grandfather grew up in the 1920s um, in St. Louis, and um, Grandpa Sam, both of his parents had died of some sort of illness, and Sam had two siblings, and because of the time of the 1920s, the older siblings were taken in by a family because they could help on the farm, and Sam was really defiant, and so he had a really good relationship with the police, but not for good reason, and what ended up happening is Sam never got adopted, and so when my husband and I broached the topic of family expansion, I already knew what I wanted to do and thought, okay, I'm going to have to convince them. But then to hear his story of, I grew up with Grandpa Sam, and I saw how he started his own business, and I knew how he created his own family because he never had one. Uh, To us, it was just all the reason to fuel going this path. And I I come from, I have three siblings, and so to me, I could get my husband to commit to doing up to two kids. And so I was like, if we're going to do two, we're going to bring them together because I know people split up the siblings, and we want to be one of those families that can help these kids have their their connection to their siblings and not be split up. I agree with you. I think that it's, it's, I think it's such a hard thing for kids to split up. And that's one thing Reese had always said is that if, if they approached us with a sibling, um, we would not separate them. And, and we originally walked through in this only one in one child, um, I never thought I would say I'm a dad of five now. You know, I want to go back to one of the things that I am having an issue with is um, we're in the process of adopting an older child. So, um, and I was really, really surprised when I went to the county that my child um, was in the system. And and mind you, he's 18 years old. He was senior in high school, um, floundering in the system like so many other kids do. And he decides that, you know, he wants us to adopt him he wants to have a forever family and we were like of course and so I went to, with, to the county and I said okay we want to adopt this young boy um, you know he'd been living with us for a little bit of time 
And he wasn't doing foster care with us. He was doing SELA. And so for those of you who are listening to that, that is when a child is older and um, they basically are on their own, but the state still gives them a stipend. So my husband and I don't receive any stipend, but um, you know, he is our son. And the county actually said to me, we're sorry, he's too old. So we won't be able to help you with the adoption. And we were like, what? You know, every kid deserves to have a forever family. So we actually, here we go again, had to hire an attorney. <laughs> um, and we're finalizing our adoption in the next three months with him. But I would like your your opinion on that. Well, first off, holy cow, that's ridiculous. Uh, but second off, you're doing exactly what I encourage in the book because there, there are doors shut left and right when you try to adopt through foster care. Um, and what I keep saying is keep going. You've got you to find out how to make what you're wanting to come true because – I mean, there, there are people, um, I know I've had friends contact me that say, hey, my, my wife and I are going to do this. What can I do? And they're, they, they identify in a same-sex relationship. And so there's certain organizations that have slammed the door in their face and said, we don't do that. And, and what you have to do is just realize they don't do that, but a lot of places do. And so you have to keep trying to find that. And it kind of goes back to your earlier point, Rob, where you were talking about how you didn't know uh, that this should all be kind of paid for. And, and that's a big piece of my book. I have uh, Section 3, Part 3 is called The How. And it's really about compiling, because I had the same, the same search you did, where so much of learning how to piece together this fragmented system is to find out what friends are saying about it and ask people that have done it. And there's, like, really no valid source to go and find everything at once. Um, and so and I'm so sorry that this has happened to you, but how lucky for your child and passionate that you all are that you're fighting the fight and doing what's right because you're right. Every child does deserve a family. Yeah, you're exactly right. And let me tell you something. I, Reese and I have no regrets and it was worth every single penny. And, you know, to see our, as a matter of fact, um, we had a, a podcast just recently, Dana and I had two of my, um, two of our five kids. So we've actually had our oldest son on um, and he told a little bit of his story. And then ju- we just had our our two kids who were adopted in the month of November. You know, this being National Adoption Awareness Month, I will say that I've, I'm, you know, one of the things we've noticed, Dana, and we've heard this when we had April on our show, is that people are trying to change their vocabulary. Um, and no longer we're calling it National Adoption Month, which is something I called it forever. It's now called Adop- National Adoption Awareness Month. I would like to talk about the F word because the F word to me is something that I find that we should not use. I think these should be kids who are in foster care or kids who are experiencing foster care. Um, how do you feel about that? I love everything you just said. I completely agree. Um, And there's so much, because I know that oftentimes when you have people on the show, you say, like, what's something you would change about the system, the foster care system? And to me, that word, the F word alone, brings so much stigma. And it's stigma associated with the kids that are in the system. It's stigma associated with anyone that's involved in the process. Um, I really feel like there could be an overhaul, exactly to your point, on vocabulary. Like, there's there's a way better way to talk about these children that are our children to be taken care of, and that we would be more compelled and excited to get involved instead of right now. It feels like it's a total turnoff for a lot of people. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I totally think that the F word should be eliminated. I think the fact that we tie, we put titles on kids, and I travel the country and I speak to thousands of kids, and there's two things that I get from kids all over the country. They say, number one, please stop making us carry trash bags. So check, we're trying to check that off the list here at Comfort Cases. And then number two, could they stop calling us foster kids and just call us kids? Um, 
I was actually having a debate on a an open forum last night about that same exact topic, and I was kind of surprised at the number of people who have aged out of the system and that are adults who 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 almost carried it like it was a title. And um, you know, I end up having to take myself out of the chat because I was getting so irritated because I was like, I want you to be proud of you as a human, not because you have the F word in front of your name. Um, and that the, the, you got to look at the statistics you know, alone, you know, when it comes to adoption, one of the other things that, that I'm, I'm concerned with, um, that I don't think that we do enough is that we don't educate our public about these, the kids, because I think that everybody thinks that they're bad kids. And, you know, I say all the time, I even write about it in my book, there's no such thing as a bad kid. It's only a kid that needs to be redirected. Um, I, I'm going to tell you that my children came all with baggages. My kids, um, you know, they definitely think we have lots of great therapists. And um, how are your kids doing? Such a great question. You're reminding me of what happened uh, earlier in the process and my husband and I were still considered the foster parents for our children. I had a girlfriend who I'd known since middle school. And she was just checking in on how we were doing, and she said, you know, Marcy, she said, I just wanted to tell you, my husband and I, we are so inspired by what you and your husband are doing. And I said, oh? And she said, yeah, you're helping damaged kids. And my mouth hit the floor. Because I was like, my kids aren't damaged. Like, there's no, like they're not damaged. They, they have invisible suitcases, and they need help because they have scars from things they never should have been exposed to. And, and, and um, it's interesting, because you've also... Uh, it's, have adopted kids of varying ages. And so for my family, my son, who we met at age four, and my daughter, who we met at almost age three, his, my son's memories and his, his um, challenges are different because he was older and he remembered things. So we've tried a host of different um, resources related to anger management. And one of our favorites, this is so out of the box, I don't know if you all have heard of this, but it's called Mightier. And it's a computer, like a, a video game, emotional regulation tool, and it's a partnership between Boston University, um, or sorry, Boston Children's Hospital and Harvard University, and it's a, use it 15 minutes a week, and it helps children be aware of their heart rate related to anger as they're playing games or they have to lose, and that has made a huge difference in his ability to realize and recognize his anger. That anger is okay, that anger is healthy, but being able to manage it and redirect it versus lashing out is a healthier way to deal with it. Wow. Yeah, it just blows my mind that someone says they're damaged. You know, I, that's just, gosh, it's, it, it just shows you how much work we have to do. We have so much work to do because, you know, I, I remind people all the time and those who are listening to, to today's podcast, these kids come in the system because of choices other people made. They come into the yeah. system because of choices other people made. And so we have to first realize that. Secondly, I, I will tell you, I'm the first one. I get people who, who send me a lot of hate mail because I say foster care is not the answer. It's not the answer. Um, we need to figure out how to fix the family before a child goes into the system. And I, I understand if a child is being abused, I have a couple of children that came in the system because of very, very bad abuse. There's no question in my mind. You, you kid is being abused, you've got to get him in the, out of the situation. But the problem I have is, you know, the neglect word. And what we're doing, it, this is, I say this to people all the time, I believe, I believe we all fall, and we all should be given an opportunity to pick ourselves up. But after a year, after a year, giving you 12 months, you don't get your crap together in 12 months, kids do not deserve to sit on the sidelines waiting for a game to play. You know, 
it just shouldn't happen. I mean, that we need to the the wheel has to move faster than what we see. How do you feel about that? I, you know, having having walked through that and seeing my my own two kids go back and forth and care, at least knowing their story and reading inches thick of a file. Um, you know, it's it's interesting when we think about what if what if that was me, right? Like, what if I was the one struggling with insert whatever the challenge is, right? A drug addiction or an abusive relationship or whatever it is. And I actually spent 12 years in social service uh, before what I'm currently doing Bless is writing you. a book. And so <laughs> it was an amazing, I loved what I did. I loved what I did. The one thing that was hard about it was it wasn't compatible with my kid's schedule. So I was like, this isn't the field for me anymore. Like, I want to be a mom. I want to be with my kids. Um, but to your point, it, it's, it's, you know, how would we want to see ourselves treated in that? And so many of those issues have such underlying complexities that I don't know that there's a time stamp we can put on it, but I agree with you that making kids really go through the ringer and waiting and hoping. And I mean, my son would ask, and we, we knew really early in what the outcome was likely to be, but every night it almost seemed like he would say, so when am I going home? When am I going home? And we weren't supposed to tell him because that wasn't our news to bear, but for a child to long and to hope for three years, you know, like that's, that's a really long time. Like you don't, you don't go in a relationship with somebody and say, oh, I hope one day they're going to want to date me or marry me and try that long when they lead you on and they're rude to you. Like you get out of that. So it's, 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 it's hard, right, to, to watch these kiddos have to go through so much. Especially when you know kids don't have a concept of time. You know, exactly. we do know that the kids don't have a concept of time. You know, that is, that is, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, and as you take kids in at different ages, you know, I, I will tell you, do you have, and I'll just tell you my story just so, so I have a really good um, relationship with two of my children's bio mom um, and their bio family. Um, their kids were, her kids were taken because of neglect. I feel like we failed her to be honest with you. Um, but we've, it's taken us years by the way, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> it's taken us years, but now we're, we, we have a really good relationship. And I consider Chrissy one of my friends. And I love that she gets to experience the joy of watching her daughter and her son grow up. And um, my daughter and my son get to experience life with their siblings that, that still live with the birth mom. Um, and then we have two other children who we have zero relationship. Um, but that's because of choices they made. Do you have any relationship with any of the with the bio family? So Missouri is interesting. We're we're a close adoption state. So we as the adoptive family get to pick. And my husband and I went back and forth on this many, many, many times. Um, and we had 18 months to think about all this, but essentially we, we do not have contact at this time. And our why is my my children, their biological parents had my kids when they were teenagers. And over time, because they've both gone in and out of the, the prison system for different reasons, they, they are no longer in a relationship. And so we had hoped and wanted there to be some sense of stability that would make it a healthy interaction. But kind of to Dr. Henry Cloud's point in boundaries, like if, if it's not going to really help the kids right now, we've chosen to kind of shut off that communication. But we're really open about it. Um, we can talk, and my kids have asked lots and lots of questions. We have photos that are in access when they want to talk about things like this. So we're not like, oh, you weren't adopted. Like, they know that. It's just that we recognize that it's not healthy right now to engage with their biological family. And so what about for people who are interested in adopting from foster care? I see this just kind of on social media, and I've heard it before from people that 
um, that they're afraid to become foster parents because then they have to let the kids go. But then we also know that there are 120,000 kids who are waiting for an adoptive home. So can foster parents go in saying, we want kids, we want to be foster parents to children who are not going to be going back to a biological family where we know that they need to find a forever home. And those are the kids that we want to work with because we want to adopt. Is, is that possible? Or when you sign up to be a foster parent, is it you, you know, we send you the children who have the most need at the time? Yeah, that's such a great question, and that's something I'm really trying to dispel in, the, in, in my book because oftentimes people think, oh, from a foster family, if I'm going to sign up to a foster home, I can only, right? But the reality is, and the requirements vary by state, um, but most states have, you go through a foster parent training and you do so many hours of training for that, and then there's also an adoptive training on top of that. And you can only accept one of these 120,000 or a sibling side of these 120,000 waiting children, that is a complete option. The thing that's tricky about it, and this kind of goes back to the story which I went earlier about being told no, is that because of the way funding is distributed, each licensing agency can only license so many families under certain licenses, which means they only have room for so many families to be licensed as, quote, adopt only. And so it can get tricky. Like, that's what my husband and I wanted to do. We wanted to go in knowing that we wanted to adopt kids through the foster care system. We weren't interested in a shorter-term relationship. And so we had to find the organization that would allow us to pursue that path. Okay. That makes sense. Wow. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm so fascinated by you. You are so, first of all, you're so educated. <laughs> it's like, um, it, you really have done your research on this. You really have, this isn't something that you woke up one day and said, oh, I'm going to be a, a foster mom and I'm going to have a couple of kids. You know, you really have done your research. And the thing I want to go back to is you, I live in a, a closed adoption state as well. And, um, and, and my husband and I very, just like you, we had two years to make that decision decision. And what we, we very much thought what you thought as well. And, and our decision was, um, you know, for, for one set of children, I felt like it, it, could eventually be a healthy relationship for the other set of children. I felt like it would be more damaged than it would be good. And so far, you know, we're going on our 12 years. Um, I think we've made the right decisions so far. Um, if you could say something to your younger self, um, as you getting ready to start this journey, is there anything that you would say that you would do differently? Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, if I could go back to my younger self, knowing what I know now, is that allowed? I get to bring my, my, my wisdom from now. Um, I think I would have responded differently to people. Because um, my husband and I knew really early in our relationship that, like, this is what we were going to do. We knew we wanted to help older kids, not babies. And so most people would ask, oh, you guys are married. The next thing to ask you about is having a baby. And we'd be like, we're not. Like, we're not interested. And then there'd be whispers of, like, oh, is it infertility? And we're like, no. Like, we want to adopt. Um, I, I think knowing what I know now, I have more understanding about how to how to respond differently in a way that I think could have potentially recruited more families with us. We have recruited families along the way when we went through the journey ourselves, but during that waiting period, we were trying to figure out how because this information is so hard to figure out. I think I w wish I would have responded more gently and welcoming to some of the people that were kind of questioning what we were doing. Yeah, but I will tell you, they. I think people come with some of the stupidest questions, and they put people on the spot. I mean, we've had people walk up to us and literally say, are they adopted? 
And 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 I always laugh about that because my son Grayson will be like, "No, we're not." I'll say, "Grayson, you can't say that." He's like, "Dad, we're four black kids and you're two white men. Do they not realize where babies come from?" <laughs> so people do ask some crazy questions. Marcy, listen, I would like to know how people can get a hold of your book. They can get a hold of the Forgotten Adoption Option today. They can go to forgottenadoptionoption.com, pre-order it. It's going to be on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and walmart.com as a physical book, ebook, and audiobook within the coming months. Listen, we have over 100,000 children that are looking for, for a forever home, 100,000 kids. I am telling you, the, the adoption was the journey for our family. You know, we're, you know, five beautiful, amazing humans. Um, and I know that people that are listening, the adoption is for your journey as well. And I wish I would have had this book <laughs> we started. I can't wait to go home and tell my husband about it. Um, because, you know, you do have a lot of questions. And I will tell you that they don't always answer the questions you know i'm excited i'm excited to get my copy um i'm excited to share it i tell people all the time the best flattery for an author is to share someone's book um so i definitely want to share this book you know marcy is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners i think if you know what, what i've learned is oftentimes when people are considering adoption whatever method international infant and especially foster care adoption they're really apprehensive to tell anyone. And part of the beauty of this book is that I ask you questions about your heart and explain the whole process. You don't have to tell anyone. You don't have to tell anyone you're thinking about it. You've got time. I give you some tips on maybe how to tell your friends and family when you're ready. But it's such a private decision that you can make without even having to tell anyone by ordering this book, by sharing it with a friend that maybe told you they were thinking about this. And so I just wanted to encourage people that you can still be private and have time to reflect without getting a lot of attention, but there are a lot of children who are just hoping and praying that you, you will become their forever family. Wow. I love that. I love that. Listen, everybody, um, today we've been absolutely honored during National Adoption Awareness Month to have Marcy on. And please, you know, we'll have her link um, to her book. And, you know, Marcy, thank you for educating us because I think all the time I say this, you know, Dana and I do this podcast because we want to educate our public and you have definitely helped us along that journey. You know, Dana, we always end our podcast with with a question. So go ahead. Yes. So Marcy, if you could change two things about the foster care system, what would they be? And I wish I could do this today. So I think in five years, let's do this. We should expand our high school reproductive health curriculum into all of the family expansion options. We should educate students on the adoption choices as well as the biological options so people can be thinking about this and it can be less taboo at a younger age. And if there's anything else, it kind of goes back to what you're saying earlier about the F word. Let's get rid of the word foster. Let's get rid of the stigma and the misconceptions that are out there and that are getting in the way of getting people involved. This has been so much fun to chat together, and I'm just so so honored to combine voices for children who are waiting. Oh, my God. We're we're definitely going to have you back on. I think that this is is something that we have to keep this conversation going. Um, I believe change is all based on conversation, and that's what we've started today. Listen, everybody, um, Dana and I say it all the time. The most flattering thing is to share our podcast, and please leave a review. Exactly. That's what we need people to do, because that is the way we make change by educating our public. Dana, where... 
Um, our podcast listeners are listening, but if we share this, where else can they listen to it? Yes. Them? So um, we're at comfortcases.org slash podcast, and that's where you can find links to Marcy's book and to other things that we've talked about. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Deezer, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and you can just find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Exactly. So everybody, please subscribe. Also, please pick up Marcy's book. Share it with someone you think that might be looking for a forever family. Because again, we have over 100,000 kids and it's up to each and every one of us to help them find a home. Marcy, thank you so much. Happy National Adoption Awareness Month. And I hope you take care, my friend. And to you, this is a blast. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.